everyone, and welcome to this podcast on the thyroid gland. So let me start by explaining why I wanted to record a podcast about this in the first place. You see, over the years, when I've asked my own students to point to where they think the thyroid gland actually is, they usually point to their neck, and they would be correct. I think some confuse it with the thymus gland, which sits anteriorly over the sternum, though. But locating the thyroid doesn't seem to be an issue. When I ask them to tell me what it does, however, that's when the correct answers are really few and far between. It's, it's one of the most important parts of our body, and yet many of us, hopefully excluding you as the listener, just have no idea about what the thyroid gland actually does and the scope of the roles and functions it plays. But granted, some people have heard of hypo and hyperthyroidism. So this podcast will cover all of that. I'll discuss where this endocrine gland is in the body, what it does, why it's so important and the numerous roles that it carries out. And then finally, we'll look at some diseases and disorders of the thyroid, not least the two mentioned already, but also a little bit about thyroid cancer. So let's start with its location. And rather than just saying neck, let's refer to the actual anatomical structures in the vicinity. So the thyroid gland is located in the neck inferior or below the larynx and what we would call the Adam's apple. And it spans the ventral surface or front surface, if you like, of the trachea or windpipe. It's the largest endocrine gland in the body. And by uh, just to clear up, by endocrine, what I mean is a gland that secretes its products, typically hormones, directly into the bloodstream. And it comprises of two lobes connected by the isthmus. So that's spelled I-S-T-H-M-U-S. The isthmus is basically just a piece of tissue connecting those lobes. The gland is it's almost positioned directly between the left and the right subclavian arteries. In a nutshell, the functions of the thyroid are to secrete thyroxine hormone, triiodothyronine and calcitonin and i'll explain that I'll, I'll talk about the shorthand names that we give to these ones uh short uh, in a moment microscopic thyroid follicles produce the thyroid hormone which i'll talk about in more detail uh and the aptly named c cells produce the calcitonin which helps to lower blood calcium levels the story really begins though with the hypothalamus in the brain and the pituitary gland part of our endocrine system. Thyrotropin releasing hormone is one of the smallest hormones that we have in our body, consisting of a chain of just, I think it's about three amino acids. Now, just to put that in context, insulin hormone, which reduces blood sugar, is comprised of 21 amino acids. So this one's much, much smaller. It's made by a cluster of nerve cells in the hypothalamus, and that specific region that I'm referring to is called the paraventricular nucleus. Now, the nerve fibres that come out of this paraventricular nucleus carry thyrotropin-releasing hormone, and then they release it into the blood surrounding the pituitary gland. Here, it stimulates the anterior pituitary gland, so the part that's most front-facing, basically, to secrete... 
TSH. So it stimulates it to secrete TSH, which stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. Now, as the name suggests, this hormone stimulates the thyroid gland to secrete hormones of its own. It's worth mentioning at this point that thyrotropin releasing hormone is very short lived. In fact, it lasts only for about two minutes maximum. And given the close proximity of its target cells, it doesn't take very long before it's broken down. In fact, secretion of thyrotropin releasing hormone by the hypothalamus can also stimulate the release of prolactin from the pituitary gland. And some of you might have heard of that, but prolactin is basically a hormone that enables mammals, usually females, to produce milk. So let's pick up with this stimulated thyroid gland from the TSH. So thyroid stimulating hormone has stimulated the thyroid gland. That's where we're going to pick up uh, from. Now the hormones that the thyroid produces are known as T3 and T4, or the thyroid hormones, unsurprisingly. An interesting fact that some people may not realise is that the thyroid produces about 80% of T4 and about 20% of T3. But T3 is about four times more potent as a hormone. So what you get is the conversion of T4 into T3 taking place in the liver, uh, in the GI, the gastrointestinal tract, and in numerous peripheral tissues. But what exactly does T3 and T4 do in the body, though? Well, quite simply, they speed up metabolism. All chemical reactions which maintain life. They encourage growth and development, and what we actually observe is an increased catecholamine effect, and by that I mean an increase in heart rate, blood pressure, blood glucose levels, and a general reaction of the sympathetic nervous system. Rather. Now, do they seem familiar? Well, these are our basic fight and flight responses. Now, in lessons about the endocrine system, uh, when discussing the thyroid, a small handful of students are aware of iodine somehow being related to it, but they're not quite sure how. So what I, I want to do is just make explicitly clear the function of the thyroid and how iodine relates to it. The thyroid gland takes in iodine, which we typically obtain from food, and it combines it with the amino acid tyrosine to form thyroxine. Now that is what I've been referring to as T4. So when I've said T4, that's the thyroxine hormone that I've been talking about. And when I said earlier that it also produces something called triiodothyronine, I mean, that's quite a mouthful, that is T3. So it's just easier to actually just call these thyroid hormones rather than calling them thyroxine and triiodothyronine, T4 and T3. Thyroid cells are the only cells in the body which can absorb iodine. And T3 and T4, once they're made, are then released into the bloodstream. Every cell in the body depends upon thyroid hormones for regulation of their metabolism. Here's a slightly random but still very much related fact that you, you might be interested to hear. And it relates to the infamous Chernobyl nuclear, nuclear power plant explosion. People were actually encouraged to take iodine pills following exposure to the dangerous radiation. Now, this was to ensure that the thyroid gland would absorb high levels of stable iodine as opposed to radioactive iodine. Now, yes, 
they may have been able to protect their thyroid gland. But if any listeners know the history behind this disaster, they'll know that this preventative measure was neither here nor there, really. I mean, dangerous ionising radiation that was released triggered numerous mutations leading to cancer in thousands of victims. The exact number of victims is still debated today, in fact. Now, in this podcast so far, I've spoken about where the thyroid is located in the body and I've explained its core purpose in reference to metabolism. But at the start, I suggested that the thyroid gland plays numerous roles in the body. Thyroid hormones, so T3 and T4, target almost every body cell. They can actually enter the cells themselves and they bind to intracellular receptors, so receptors with inside the cells, on mitochondria and inside the nucleus. Now here's just some of the effects that that has. It increases mitochondrial size, the number of key enzymes, it increases plasma membrane, sodium potassium ATPase activity, which is involved in overall ATP production, which is raised. We see an increased rate of cellular metabolism by increasing glucose absorption from the GI tract, carbohydrate, lipid and protein turnover. We see down-regulating of the insulin receptors and an increasing of the substrate availability. We get improved energy utilisation, oxygen consumption and faster dissociation with haemoglobin. So these cells can use the haemoglobin, the oxygen, much more readily. We get an increased body temperature, growth and development of the nervous system in the fetus and children. The thyroid hormones are also critical for normal CNS, or central nervous system, neuronal development, enhancing wakefulness, alertness, memory, learning capacity. T3 and T4 are required for normal tone. And it increases the speed of peripheral nerve reflexes. They increase the growth and maturation or maturing of bone, tooth development and eruption. And increasing growth and maturation of the epidermis, the hair follicles, the nails. They increase the rate and force of skeletal muscle contraction. They increase the red blood cell mass. Now you might be listening thinking, wow, that is a lot more functions in the body than I anticipated. Well, there's more. Thyroid hormones are responsible for increasing the heart rate, the force of the cardiac contraction, stroke volume, cardiac output even. They increase the resting respiratory rate, ventilation and ventilatory response to hypoxia, which is a lack of oxygen. They increase blood flow and glomerular filtration rate in the kidneys. And finally, otherwise this is just going to turn into one very long podcast. They're required for normal follicular development of, of and ovulation rather in the female, the normal maintenance of pregnancy and normal spermatogenesis, which is involved basically sperm production in the male. Now, I am always amazed at how many of that exhaustive list of functions we as teachers talk about within our own lessons to our students. And yet we neglect to mention the role that the thyroid hormones has or have rather as part of them so we talk about nerves and muscles and reflexes but we often forget to say that actually thyroid hormones t3 and t4 have an effect on them as you can imagine as with anything in the body things sadly though can go wrong and when the thyroid gland goes wrong clearly from that list there are many implications 
So let's wrap up this fairly short podcast by discussing some thyroid gland disorders. And the first one that I want to mention is the goiter. Goiters are caused by a lack of iodine, which interferes with the negative feedback control of TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone. So basically, when we have uh, two high levels of T3 and T4, our body quite simply tries to regulate the amount of thyroid stimulating hormone that's being produced. So we try and lower it in an effort to stop stimulating the thyroid when we've got too much of the hormones. Now, when something interferes with this whole process, that's when the problems arise. So it's this lack of iodine that results in abnormal enlargement of the thyroid gland. And that's what we call a goiter. Now, they just usually require medication or hormone therapy and or surgery to treat them. The most common thyroid problems involve abnormal production of the thyroid hormones. Too much, so we'll start with this one, too much thyroid hormone results in a condition known as hyperthyroidism. Some common uh, causes of hyperthyroidism include Graves' disease, where we have the production of too much thyroid hormone. Toxic adenomas, and here nodules develop in the thyroid gland and begin to secrete thyroid hormones, upsetting the body's chemical balance. Some goiters may contain several of these nodules. Subacute thyroiditis, uh, which is inflammation basically of the thyroid gland, can cause it to leak, if you like, excess hormones. And although rare, hyperthyroidism can also develop from pituitary gland malfunctions or cancerous growths in the gland itself. Now, symptoms of hyperthyroidism would include a tremor plus possible plus possible clubbing. Now, clubbing is a really interesting one. Clubbing is a physical sign characterised by bulbous enlargement of the ends of one or more fingers or toes. Other symptoms include uh, nervousness and faster than usual heart rate, fatigue, intolerance for heat and increased sweating, concentration problems and unintentional weight loss. Let's look at the other uh, possibility. So we have, we're talking there about hyperthyroidism. Let's consider hypo. So too little thyroid hormone results in a condition known as hypothyroidism. And some common causes of hypothyroidism include Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Now that's an autoimmune disorder where the body attacks the thyroid tissue. The tissue eventually dies and it stops producing the hormones. We can get hypothyroidism as a result of removal of the thyroid gland, either by surgical removal or being chemically destroyed. Exposure to excessive amounts of iodine could also be implicated. I mean, cold and sinus medicines and certain contrast dyes given before x-rays may expose you to too much iodine. And lithium, this drug, has also been implicated as a cause of hypothyroidism. I should just point out that avoiding certain foods, including uh, soy, may be helpful in uh, these kind of patients. But I'll just finish this kind of section by saying that a lack of thyroid hormones in the system at an early age can lead to the development of cretinism, which is a mental retardation and dwarfism, stunted growth, basically. Symptoms to look out for of hypothyroidism would include fatigue, again, 
poor concentration, depression. But what we get is like dry skin, feeling cold with muscle and joint aches. Constipation is often reported, uh, fluid retention, excessive menstrual bleeding. And if it's left untreated, it can bring on a myxedema coma. Now that's where you get a decreased mental status, hypothermia and impaired organ function. Cancer of the thyroid is thankfully quite rare and it occurs in about 5% of thyroid nodules. You might have one or more thyroid nodules for years before they're deemed cancerous. People who have received radiation to the head or neck earlier in life, possibly for acne, tend to have a higher risk of thyroid cancer. So here's an important question. What might treatments for thyroid-related conditions consist of? Well, most thyroid problems can be managed well if properly properly diagnosed and treated. So specialised tests, as you might imagine, are used to diagnose thyroid disorders. Blood tests are typically done to measure levels of thyroid hormones and to measure the levels of thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH. Ultrasound scans using radioactive iodine can be useful in assessing lumps and cysts within the gland. And medications can be given to replace the missing thyroid hormone in the case of hypothyroidism. Synthetic thyroid hormone can also be given in pill form by mouth. If hyperthyroidism is not controlled with medications, then radioactive ablation, which is another word for removal, could also be performed. And here's just some interesting final thoughts to leave you with. According to research, women experience thyroid problems up to 10 times more than men. Women are more susceptible to different hormonal leaks, let's say, hence why iodine deficiency often causes complications in the female reproductive system and not in men. Research findings show that thyroid hormones produced by the thyroid gland protect the body from carcinogens. And the risk of breast cancer in women increases when there's a shortage of these hormones. Pregnant women are the most sensitive to iodine deficiency, as during this period, the woman's hormonal system is undergoing serious challenge. I think it's the best word to describe it. Besides, by the 16th or 17th week, the fetus starts to develop its own thyroid gland, and it begins to take iodine from its mother. I think you'd agree it's fascinating stuff. And on that note, all that's left for me to say is a big thank you to anyone who is listening. And don't forget, you can stream and download Kytos podcasts directly from the Kytos website at www.kytosbiology.org.uk. Just click on the podcast section and on every other major podcast platform, including Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and many more. So thank you again.